This episode of Tone Deaf has an audio issue in the first half of the episode. In keeping with the mostly unedited spirit of the show, we decided to keep it in rather than re-record and lose jokes from the first half. Kay has done some audio magic to make it listenable. We apologize in advance for the inconvenience. We hope you enjoy. Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real and mostly unedited. This show is for ages 14 and up, because sometimes you just need to use a swear. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. So Warren is still recovering from the sound of music. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. So, so, this is one, no joke, this is 100% true. I, you know how we all get songs stuck in our head from time to time, and they'll pop in when you really don't want them to, and... They may take some effort to get out of your head. I have never, ever in my entire life had so intrusive of a musical thought as I did in the week <laughs> after we watched The Sound of Music. I would be laying in bed trying to fall asleep, and the song would just pop into my head, and I would try to silence my mind and go back to sleep, and the song would pop inside my mind. We would be driving to work and the song would pop in my mind and I would start singing it. I would be at work listening to other things and the song would pop into my mind. And no matter what I did, no matter what I did, I could not stop thinking, Doe, a deer, a female deer, Ray, a golden drop of sun, me, a name I call myself, along on my team I'm so sorry. A needle pulling thread. La, a note to follow so. <laughs> Tea, a drink of jam and bread. That leads us back to Dolphateer. Based on a book that was based on a real life 
uh, story. This one is different because we're going to be watching the 1952 film of Singing in the Rain. Is this black and white? No. Okay. But this one actually was not adapted to stage until 1983. So this is one of the cases where the movie came before the stage play. Interesting. There are not many of these. Okay, so, so it's it's like it's it's like a it's like a uh, uh, a unicorn riding a leprechaun that's stuck inside of a pot of gold. Like it's not something yeah, you see. Yeah, it's not something you see every day. Okay. This is actually um one of the greatest musicals of all time, like listed as that. Um it's listed as one of the greatest films of all time. Um it is listed as one of the films you should see before you turn 14. Well, I've already failed on that. <laughs> um, but hey, it's not too late. It's it's too late for me to go back and yeah, you can't, 13 and then watch this. Yeah, no, you can't do that. This is about like, what, 17 years too late? Yeah, yeah, about that much, yeah. So, um, the stage production of this, we won't be watching that, but I have seen the stage production, and they actually do keep it pretty close to the movie. So that's why I feel like we can do the movie and you'll still get a feel for the stage show. Do they have waterworks in the stage production? Yes. Really? Yes. Ah, um, they would just have the sound of rain. But... No, they actually, there's the most iconic scene. They still manage to do that on stage. Oh, bravo, stage people. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing to see this show live. And if we ever have it around us in Utah, um, <laughs> then... Free tickets. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, that would be really nice. Hint, hint. Because we're poor. But um, if, if we ever get a chance to see it on stage, it is really fun to watch. Um, when it first premiered on stage it was 1983 in the west end of london and then it didn't come to broadway until 1985 and then since then it's been everywhere so is the you say 1952 1952 was the movie so is that is it was it an american movie or was it a it's movie? an american movie so it's an american movie that didn't get a stage production until it went across the pond yes and then it came back there's there's a great joke in another show we're going to be doing later called Forbidden Broadway. And the joke is that English people do revivals better than Americans, which we'll talk about revivals later. Um, but like I said earlier, this was filmed in 1952. Um, I have kind of a special place in my heart for it because I got my degree in film and this movie is about the transition from silent films to talkies. Oh. And there are a lot of scenes that just, because that's one of my favorite eras in film, is that transitionary period. Um, one of my favorite films, Sunrise, A Story of Two Humans, kind of tries to merge sound and uh, the silent film sort of successfully. And so they, they bring some of that stuff up. In fact, uh, the first uh, talkie that was a musical is mentioned in this and kind of leads to the main thrust of the play. Um, 
so sorry, quick deviation. My yeah. brain is telling me that the clip that I've seen of Singing in the Rain is black and white. Yes, there are clips that are in black and white. Oh, in this movie? That in this watching? movie. Okay, that's... Okay, when you were when I asked if it was black and white, you said no. I'm like going, did I fabricate this memory? No. The, or am I having an aneurysm? I smell burnt toast. No, and that's not a sign of an aneurysm. It's a sign of stroke. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the, the movie is mostly in color. There are scenes in black and white because the films that they're making are in black and white. Um, uh, this won't be a sung through. So okay. I think our next song through is Les Miserables. So the Miserables. Yes, the Miserables will be our next song through. Um, and uh, this show, it was produced by Arthur Freed. He uh, headed the Freed unit at MGM. The Freed unit was, um, I can see that smirk. <laughs> I can see that smirk, and you want to joke so bad. But this is, yeah, I think it's going to break the 14 and up rating that we're trying to go for. In this yeah, podcast. it is. So, oh. This is the fun part of being together as long as we have, as you can tell when I want to say something that I shouldn't say. Yeah. You usually know what it is. I usually do. So we're going to leave it up to speculation. Yeah. Let us know in the comments below <laughs> what you think the joke is. Those of you who do know us might also know the joke. Mm -hmm. It'll be a nice little inside joke for all of us. Um, anyway, so uh, this was the department that was behind MGM's lavish mu movie musicals. So um, the, 30, the 1929 to about 1939 is when you get a lot of, like, just... They're throwing out musicals all the time. And we are going to be watching a few of those as well. Is one of them Annie? No. Okay. <laughs> oh, I one musical that I could think of that might fit in that time frame, and it's not. It's set in that time frame, but it it's not one of these shows. Okay. Um, but we will be watching some of the shows. Um, I want to say that Gigi is one of them. Yeah, it's it, it's a 1930s musical. We'll we'll, yeah, when we get to it, we'll talk about it more. Um, this film was also kind of like a way for Arthur Freed to show off songs he had done for earlier films. So, like I said, he did all the movie mu musicals of the 30s, basically, for MGM. This movie has a ton of his songs from other shows. Hmm. In fact, Singing in the Rain is, like, the title song of this show is not originally from Singing in the Rain. Would that technically make this show jukebox, jukebox, jukebox musical if it's using a bunch of other songs from different Well, things? it's not from different people. It is all Arthur Free. Okay. Um, and he does. I guess it is close to a jukebox musical. It, jukebox. Now I'm doing it. It is You're close welcome. to a jukebox musical. It's dangerously close to one, but there's still a charm to it. Okay. They they managed to get away with it. Is this mostly him giving himself a pat on the back for how great he is? Because um, I, I, usually, if you get somebody who's like. 
this is all of the collective work I've done. Look at how great I am. It's just, you know, of course, this is me, the, the ignorant and uninitiated, going off of the little bit that you told me without trying to spoil anything. So I'm kind of and picturing... I'm now sitting here with a totally new, shattered, <laughs> destroyed... My job here is done! <laughs> Good night, everybody. So, um... So, I mean... It could kind of be a jukebox, <laughs> jukebox musical, and that makes me so sad now. Um, but I, I don't want to say that that's what this is. Okay. Jukeboxes didn't exist at the time. Oh, there you go. Well, they did in the 50s. Dang it. <laughs> Warren! <laughs> Sorry, Kay. You know it's my personal goal to destroy things that people love just oh. by accident. Um, wow. Where was I? Oh, I was talking about how the title song, Singing in the Rain, isn't from this show. Um, it's for, It first showed up in the Hollywood Review of 1929, which was a musical in 1929 how original yes um reviews were kind of a big thing like hey look at all the songs we've got that sort of thing um i do not want to see the musical of 2018 or maybe ooh. i do i don't know well american idiot exists oh, we're gonna do that one because there's a stage version of that anyway um so there were songs that were um, created specially for this show, too, um, by the screenwriters, Betty Comden and Adolph Green. Um, oh, one unfortunate name. Well, he was born before that name got tainted forever. I'm just saying he probably lived through that period. Yeah, and... yeah, he did. Um, we're, we're actually... Um, gonna be watching though a lot of Arthur Freed's musicals. Okay. So just keep that in mind. We're gonna be watching a lot of shows that he produced. Um he he did uh write lyrics for a lot of these shows and uh the composer for the songs that are in Singing in the Rain, save for the two that were written by the screenwriters, is uh Nacio Herb Brown. Um and, like I said, all of these songs showed up elsewhere in MGM in the 20s and 30s. And actually, now that I'm thinking of it, this musical can get away with it. Because it is kind of... It, it's kind of a look at the studio system. Because this was really common to have like just this catalog of music for a studio. MGM would have their own catalog of music. RKO would have their own catalog. Paramount would have their own catalog of music that they owned that nobody else did. So what you're saying is that this is freed of all the other rules that would make it a jukebox musical. Pew pew! pew. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that pun. <laughs> uh, so... Back to Singing in the Rain. Um, so this film, uh, it's directed and choreographed uh, by Gene Kelly. You're looking at me like I should know who that is. Okay. Um, Gene Kelly's also going to star in this. Uh, the other director was Stanley Donan. And Donut? maybe it's Donan? 
Donan, Donan. Wait, can I call him Donut? You can call him Donut, I guess. Um, and also, starting alongside, is Debbie Reynolds. That name is tickling my brain, and you're looking at me with this really hopeful light, and you're trying to use a Jedi mind trick on me. Yes, yes. Whoa, um... Debbie Reynolds. Yes. Uh, is she Princess Leia's mom? Yes, she is Carrie Fisher's <laughs> mom. <laughs> oh, and my brain couldn't think of Carrie Fisher, who I know. That's someone I do. That, that is somebody that I do know. Yes. Why couldn't I picture so this is di- So this is Carrie Fisher's mom. Um, this isn't the first show that she did. She had done a few movies before this. Uh, she was trained as a gymnast before. She had never danced before. This is the movie where she learned to dance. So does that mean that she tries and isn't very good? She does amazingly well. Um, It's just, this was stressful for her. Um, One of the sequences that we're going to be seeing, at the end of it, her feet were bleeding. Oh. That's how bad it was. And in fact, a lot of people got hurt doing this, because this was the 50s, you know? This is the studio era. So this was before, you know... Yeah, so before... Before laws. Yeah, Yeah. before laws. Before laws This is the Wild West of filmmaking. This is the Wild West of filmmaking. I mean, it's not as wild as the Noah's Ark movie, but this is pretty close. Um, That look makes me want to go into that tangent, but I'm not going to. I'm going to be good. Um, None of us has to. <laughs> but so this show, you're going to have a lot of songs that when you hear it, you're just going to go, I know that song. And I know that song. That was, that that was, was sound all of, music, of sound too. of music. That was all of sound of music. I was like, oh, I've seen the spoof of this. Oh, I've seen the spoof of this. Oh, I've seen the spoof of this. And now it's playing in my head again. Damn it. Ugh. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay, so keep going. So, um, but like the the stuff that they do in this, I saw something. It was actually on TV tropes that they were saying that this is basically like a sledgehammer reality of this was the studio era. So the stuff that you see going on, this is what things were like. Like it's it's so, not really glamorizing. The studio era. It's a lot of hardworking people getting screwed over by executives. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, a proud tradition which is carried on today. Also, this, um, back when we were talking about um, Christopher Plummer not actually singing in The Sound of Music, this movie has an in-universe example of that, of dubbing. Okay. And you'll see it. Um, and, yeah, it's it's done really well. And that's also a really fun scene to see live. So, what we're going to do, we're going to go and watch The Sound of Music. No, not The Sound of Music. Ha <laughs> uh, a deer, a female It's spreading. <laughs> it's spreading. Um, we're going to go and watch... Singing in the rain, and Singing then in the rain. Oh no! 
Um, we're going to go watch Singing in the Rain, and then hopefully by then, Warren will have Do Re Mi out of his head, and hopefully it will be replaced by a different song. I'll be losing sleep the next week over some other song. Yes, um, this will probably be a theme. So we're going to take a brief intermission, and we're going to go watch Singing in the Rain. I'll grab the umbrella. Oh my gosh. I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. Some parts of that movie I thought were kind of lame. But overall not bad, I'm not really mad. I'm actually quite glad, but I can't (laughs) rhyme more than that. (laughs) It's pretty good. I liked it. Um, The dancing was really, really good. Mm -hmm. I was pretty much in awe the entire time that they were doing their really good tap dancing numbers. Yeah. Um, Cosmo Brown is the best character ever. Was it Donald O'Connor? Yes, Donald O'Connor. That guy is the bomb. Yeah. Like, he is so good. Yeah, he he was my favorite. Yeah, he's growing up. He's definitely my favorite, too. Um, I thought it was... <laughs> So I'm going to go off my notes, which uh, I, I jot them down in a hurry, so I have to try and remember what I was thinking when I wrote them down. Uh, when they're describing in the beginning how uh, they kind of got their start, mm-hmm. and Don and Cosmo were basically just in art school, just as kids, all the mm-hmm. way until they were adults. And when they were doing one of their their numbers, and they were playing fiddles and tap dancing, there's a part where they're almost like spooning, and... <laughs> fiddling each other's fiddle, and I just had the thought of, you never fiddle another man's fiddle. <laughs> I, mean, I don't care how good of friends you are. There's just some lines you don't cross. I don't know, it was a different time, a different age, and men who grew up together, you know, sometimes fiddle each other's fiddles. It's, you know, I'm not, I, I shouldn't be one to judge. Oh my god. I've got, I've got a really close best friend, and I might fiddle his fiddle, he might fiddle my fiddle. And that's fine, you if, know. If either one of us fiddle. If, if either of you wanted to fiddle each other's fiddle, I would support you. Yeah, if I was going to let a guy fiddle my fiddle, it would be him. Yeah. If I was going to fiddle another man's fiddle, it would be his fiddle. That is fine. I support that. My knees hurt within the first five minutes just watching them dance. Yeah. Uh, just, I, I'm really weird when I watch stuff like this because I go, wow, these people are in really good shape. And if I tried to do that, my knee would give out on me and I would face plant into the floor on the first, like, where they do those complete, let their body drop and then catch themselves on the floor and then jump back up. My knee would be like, yeah, no, screw you, I quit. And I would boom right on the ground. Well, yeah, and I was getting shin splints just watching because I used to do theater and do dance and I used I took tap dancing lessons and would get horrible shin splints. And so watching those first five minutes, and really all of the time that Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor tap dancing, I'm like, ow, 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 <laughs> ow, ow, ow. The art, the art hurts. Mm-hmm. And, um, Lena, was that the name? Yes. Bitchy Lena. McBitch Faces? Yes, character? Lena Lamont. Lena Lamont. Why does she always talk like this? Like, I mean, it's almost 
like you took broken glass and shoved <laughs> it in your ears and then took a Q-tip and just stirred it about while having a cat scratch on a chalkboard while it's being murdered. I think that she was Latte's least favorite part. Our dog, every time that woman talked, you could see our dog twitch and then she'd get up and walk away. Yeah. It, it was like uh, uh, Captain... Uh, Von Trapp. Thank you. Captain Von Trapp. Trapp when he would use the whistle to call mm-hmm. his children. I, I feel like by the time we get to episode 100 of this, our dog is going to be deaf. Or she's going to hate us, whichever comes first. Or she's just going to be like, oh, you guys are recording tonight, huh? Okay, well, I'm gone. I'm, I'm going to go into the other room now and chew my toy. Can I just stay outside? Yeah. <laughs> like, if it's not winter time. Can I just be outside with nature and not this crap? Yeah. Yeah, uh, thought it was interesting. Don being molested by his fans. Yes. And trying to flee and basically pulling some Prince of Persia Assassin's Creed parkour moves, jumping mm-hmm. in, uh, doing some urban free running. Well, he was a former stuntman, yeah. so. It was impressive, too. Then he jumps into that open car that doesn't have a windshield. That seemed like a, a hazard. Yeah. I don't know if that was a prop error or if that was to make the filming easier, but we need to solve the mystery of the reappearing and disappearing windshield. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that it is because, um,. <clears throat> they needed to make it easier to film those scenes. Yeah, and they didn't want to glare. Like, yeah, I get it, but at the same time... Yeah, no, it's a continuity error. My brain sees it, and it's like, I can tell there's no blast there. Yeah. And he was creeping on her hard. Yeah. I, I, like, I know he's supposed to be the protagonist, but I was, like, hoping that that woman would bust out some pepper spray and, mm-hmm. and reevaluate his concept of himself. Well, I mean, she... Not with pepper spray, but she did kind of. She hurt his man ego. She hurt his fifis. She, she, she hurt his fifis by saying that he wasn't the real actor. Yes. Yeah. Like his yes. fifis were very hurt. She 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 insulted his penis in a yes. roundabout way is what she did. Yes. And it worked. It worked. Except he rather than he got defensive and then he got angry and was ridiculing her. Yeah, which, which was kind of a jerk move. That's there. It's like, move. dude. Yeah. Yeah, for someone who had humble beginnings and then became a big star, and then him to be, like, as butthurt as he was. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, but then, of course, you know, you had to have the... It was that classic trope of they hate each other to begin, and then mm. fall in love later. Yeah, yeah. And, um, when they were first demonstrating the... What's it called? The synced sound? Yes, when they were first demonstrating the synced sound... I could not get over. It looked like the guy talking had, they had dyed the lines around his teeth and gum with ink. Yeah. The entire time I'm watching him, I'm like, this guy needs to go to a dentist. Go to a dentist right now. You need to have a cleaning. Your teeth are going to fall out immediately. Yeah, it was, it was bad. That, that was creepy too. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, after the, the party, with the dancing girls. Yeah. And they run away, and uh, Don runs into the dressing room. Oh, no. Yeah. I oh, could, I can see your note. I, I couldn't help but thinking, oh, this is Donald Trump walking into the dressing room. With yeah. This yeah. He totally doesn't care. These women are half naked and changing. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it was a little 
was a little uncomfortable, honestly. Yeah, but that's what we're going to be running into a lot with some of these older shows is some uncomfortable scenes. Well, the important thing is, though, is that, uh, what's her name? Kathy? Kathy. She got her windshield back. Yes, she got her windshield back, which was important. She got her windshield back. Yes. Which was good. Um, And then they had a briefly passive moment walking through a set that was incredibly racist. Yeah, I forgot about that. They're doing like the jungle tribal scene and everybody's in like full body blackface. Yeah, no. Wearing wearing, like these tribal masks and just basically portraying the most... I don't want to, oh, yeah. The most horribly racist caricatures. The most horribly racist caricatures of a primitive tribal people. Yeah. Which, the funny thing about that is, like, the way that they were doing it. I'm like, well, you guys took some massive liberties. <clears throat> like, there's that, that, no. Yeah, no. I, it's, it's a different it's, time. It's a different time, Kay. It's okay, because it's a different time. It's one of those things where I forgot that that was in this movie. Racism was cute point back then. I, I was I was legitimately like, whoa, I I don't remember this being in the movie at all, and I watched this movie all the time as a kid. Yeah, Cosmo drops a lot of manny lines. Yeah, those were making me a little bit like, dude, not cool. Yeah, cause... which I have conflicted feelings with that because he's my favorite character. Yeah, and every time he would do something racist, I'd be like, like you lose a point, but then he would do something and he would gain two points, and I'm like. Mm. I don't, I don't like when the ledger in my head is like, you're losing stuff, you're losing points for being not cool, but then you're gaining points for being freaking awesome. Yeah, no, I, I agree there. I, uh, it, it sucks, because it was, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, that's right, this movie was written in the 50s, which, you know, you could travel back in time and be fine in the 50s if I went back there. It would really suck. I think if I went back into a time when racism was just so integrated into society to the point where you, a white person, can kind of do whatever they wanted and have zero repercussions, mm-hmm. I probably would have been a mass murderer. Like, I, 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 hesitate, okay, I hesitate yeah. to say that. Yeah. But you know me and how hot-blooded I get over issues like that. It's why I'm very interested to see how you handle some of the shows that we're going to be doing coming up. I almost feel like the history of musical theater is like a history of racism in the arts. It kind of is. It's kind of a history of racism and sexism in the arts and the earlier stuff. And then towards... A little bit later on, it's like the, oh, we done messed up. <laughs> you done messed up, A.A. Ron. Yeah, you've done messed up, A.A. Ron. You've done messed up, Arthur Reed. <laughs> you've done messed up, Arthur Reed. I do like when Cosmo was doing his make him laugh bit yes. kind of thing. Um, he is a good physical comedian. He was. It's too bad he was smoking four packs a day. Yeah, you said that he was smoking four packs a day on set when they were filming that. And yes. then he filmed that scene, and then he had to be hospitalized. Yeah. I would have had to been hospitalized doing that scene without smoking four packs a day. Yeah. Like, like he's throwing himself on the floor. And, mm-hmm. like, I know that people in that profession can train themselves to do it in a way. Because I remember when I took martial arts, you could see people who could 
do certain forms and they would throw themselves on the ground, but they would do it in such a way that they didn't hurt themselves. Yeah. And I never got far enough in it that I got to that point, but mm-hmm. I remember seeing other people doing it and I'd be like, that just looks like it hurts. Yeah. So, yeah. You do get trained to... You do have to have some training to be a physical comedian like that. It's like the art of kicking your own ass. Yes, it is the art of kicking your own ass. Uh, speaking of kicking asses, um, I did really like the, the part with uh, Don and Lena. Yeah. I'm so bad at remembering character names, even when I just watched it. Don and Lena, and she's talking about how she got... Kathy fired, like she called and Yeah. I did it. I went and called and got the fire because mm-hmm. she hit me in the face with a fly. And my voice is so incredibly annoying. I need every possible distraction. Yeah. And I kept thinking to myself with Don, just beat her with that cane. Just 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 if you hit her hard enough with the cane, you might correct whatever is wrong in the speech center of her brain and she mm-hmm. might start talking like normal. Yeah. But I was laughing when he was when they're doing the lovey physical portion of the acting and he's just like I hate you I hate you you vile reptile mm-hmm. and she's like you know you love me <laughs> yeah it, that's a thing that I love with this show um, the the way that they have like in the silent film moments they're not really um, what am I trying to say they're not saying what they're supposed to be saying. They're not saying what their characters are saying because it's like, oh, we're doing a silent film. We can say whatever. Which I always thought was weird because you can always kind of tell from people's lips a yeah. little bit of what they're saying. Yeah. And the bits of silent films I have seen, they kind of just see, I, I always kind of chalked that portion up to them being foreign films. Mm-hmm. So if they said something with their lips and it just seemed really bizarre and didn't sync up with what the actual... Uh, word portions were, I just mm-hmm. okay, well, it's a French film, or it's yeah. an Italian film, and so they're not speaking English, but when they were doing the whole, what almost in the very beginning, it would look like the um, the last scene in The Princess Bride, basically, with Don playing what looked like in Diego Montoya, and, yeah, you know, doing all the sword fighting and stuff like that, like, those parts they were saying, you could tell that they were saying what the actual word parts were, mm-hmm. so it seems kind of bizarre to be like, I hate you so much. I hope you die, you vile reptile. My love, I cannot live without you. We will be <laughs> together until the stars grow cold. Yeah, um... One sec. Oh, boy. So, we realized in recording this halfway through that somebody, not pointing yeah. any fingers, K. Yeah. I'm not pointing fingers, Kay. Yeah. Somebody who will remain unnamed didn't have the right microphone selected in the sound recording. Yeah, that was my bad. So no no, we're not we're not naming names, Kay. We're not naming names. That would be petty and childish, and I love you way too much for that. And I love you, and I will not do that again. But now, you can probably hear a lot better. And as we say at the beginning, this is an unedited, mostly, uh, program. In order to stay true to the spirit of that, we are just going to go forward. Go forward and put this ugliness behind us until the next episode 
in which I tease Kay to make sure that she has the right microphone selected. Yep. And this is why you're doing this, because otherwise, if I was doing this, it would be the wrong microphone every time. Yeah, normally I'm really good at making sure that it's the USB PNP audio, but instead it was the real tech, and I was sitting here going, why am I so hot on this, but Warren's voice is not coming through? Oh. Well, you're the hot one out of the two of us, if we're just being fair. Aww. You're lucky you're so damn cute. Aww. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm trying to remember so we where were, we were. We were talking about the... Uh... Oh, I remember. Okay, I know where we were. I was talking about beating Lena with a cane. Yes. Which I hope that is in my dreams tonight, because that... I'm sure the actress is a wonderful kind oh yeah she's, person she was a comedic actress and it is a testament to her acting and comedy prowess that i hate her character so much yeah so she, she is meant to be hated she is meant to be hated and i would not want to disappoint her hard work by loving her character yeah so aside from abusing women because you mm-hmm. know that's funny uh <laughs> we have another lsd scene oh man in there are a lot of After those. that, where there's there's some disembodied dancing legs, uh, what look like horrible dolls brought to life with like way too rosy cheeks, mm-hmm. and some other crap that I don't even remember. I just remember my brain was like, you need to be taking drugs if you're going to watch this. <laughs> and I was like, no, so I'm weird enough as it is. While we're doing all of these older musicals what i figure we should do is coin a new term or maybe it's not a new term maybe it exists somewhere <laughs> but we need to have the broadway acid sequence ooh ooh i like that because that is what these things are singing in the rain has a few of them yes it does it has so so the dancing girls that come out of the cake that one that one is bizarre but it's it's almost like the beginning of the acid trip and yeah. then it just disappears, and then the acid trip spikes again for the disembodied dancing legs and mm-hmm. all that crap that happens. Yeah. And then it comes back later again. Um, in a scene that we're going to talk about In a scene that we're going to talk about. It'll be the acid trip part three. Yes. Uh, but I am... I Okay, Kate. Okay. So I'll, I get it that this is supposed to take take place in a simpler time. In the when, 20s and when, 30s, yeah. When racism was just part of everyday culture mm-hmm. and women weren't expected to do much other than look pretty and have babies. Yeah. That being said, when they're showing like one of the first musical scenes and the guy is singing about beautiful women... More or less, pretty. It was a pretty girl. No, it was singing about his passion for beautiful women. Yeah, and he has a line in it. He has a line in it that my brain came to a screeching halt, and I could just hear you and your sister me lost and, it. Yeah, me and my sister. She was watching it with us, and we both just had the exact same WTF moment. Yeah, and it was. Oh, God. It was when he says that... Uh, I can't remember the line leading up to it, but it says, you're sweet and you're over 16. And we were just... Ugh! Yeah. The, the revulsion, choking back vomit. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. 16? 16. Not mm-hmm. 18. Mm-hmm. 16. Yeah. You're over 16. This guy had to have been in his late 20s talking yeah. about, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. You're 16, girl. You're mm-hmm. that ripe, sweet age that's totally legal for me to do the things that I'm singing about having my passions for. Yeah. Not okay. Not okay. Not it was, okay. It, it's... Yeah. <laughs> Not okay. Like, I, I might be able to be okay with it if it was like the year 1000 and people were dying at the age of 35 normally because we didn't have clean water and medicine and stuff like that. Sure, 16, that's fine. You're halfway through your life expectancy. Why not? No, not in not in the 20s, not in the 30s, not in the 40s. Yeah, no. It's, it's a horrifying, horrifying. I am not okay with that. Yeah, I'm th- not. And if you're okay with that, you're also a creeper. It was it was one of those things where like I have I have never noticed until now just how wrong so many scenes and so many of these shows are. And now looking back on them, I'm like, oh, good lord. See, that's the thing is, so many of these people, people we've talked to, and we're like, oh, we're we're doing this podcast, and and you start listing, oh, well, I'm gonna have Warren listen to this musical, and we're gonna do this one. And they're like, what? He's never seen that, but it's a classic. I love it. It's so great. And I'm watching these, and I'm going, what the hell is wrong with people that they're like, this is so great. Okay, sure, maybe for the time, but yeah, anybody in our generation, and even the generation before, mm-hmm. I feel like there should be. A little bit more scrutiny with some of the stuff in this. What what kind of... I have to look at some of these shows with is, well, like you said, for the time, it's amazing. And if you look at it through a historical perspective, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, this is what we thought back then, and it's totally not right. It's kind of like the thing that Warner Brothers has been doing when they release the Looney Tunes DVDs. Gotcha. Where they put the disclaimer at the beginning saying like, hey, there's going to be some stuff that's really not okay. We thought it was okay at the time, or even we knew it wasn't okay at the time, but we still did it. And this is preserved for history so that we don't do it again. See, stuff like that, I, I respect it when they do that, when they acknowledge it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess... Yeah, I but guess we can, at the I guess, same time, I guess it'd be unrealistic to expect every single production that had anything controversial by modern standards to have that kind of thing in it. Yeah, it's probably we're asking a little too much of them. And I have a pretty dark sense of humor. There's plenty of things that are twisted that oh, make yeah, me laugh. You... If this was done in like a satirical sense, mm-hmm. I would probably have laughed my butt off. But yeah. the fact that it was done in what appeared to be full. Full, yeah. wholehearted sincerity of like, yeah, you're 16. I'm excited. That just mm-hmm. that <sighs> I'm in my 30s. I'm in my 30s. You're half my age. This is okay by me. Like mm. I'm a certain wannabe senator from <laughs> a certain state. Let's go to the mall. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, this that guy wins the the Creeper Song of the Year award. Yeah. So um, he's 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 currently holding that title. We'll see if any of the musicals that we watch in the next bit have anything that usurps that. There might be. Yeah. Uh, you think you got a contender? I, I think so. Well, we're gonna see. Maybe this this we'll is the see. champion right now. So I'm counting on you to subject me to something that's going to make my gag reflex try and vomit up 
a new award for that one. Yeah, I will. I will see. Then again, you seem to be pretty good at introducing me to casual racism and sexism. So yeah, sexism, which is like sexism, but pronounced incorrectly. <laughs> uh, and then we have Don and his number with Kathy. That's an oddly possessive yeah gag fest of a song. Like I know it's supposed to be romantic and. He can't vocalize just how much he loves this woman unless it's in the right setting. But it was... It, it, oh, God damn it. It makes me really, really laugh at the way society was in certain times where it's like mm-hmm. so possessive of man to be like, you were made for... You are mine. You are here entirely for my desire mm-hmm. and pleasure. Like, he's not saying anything about how he's so in love for her that he wants to do anything for her. he wants to you know to pluck the stars out of the heavens and, mm-hmm. and make a necklace for her he doesn't want to do anything romantic for her he's just like no you're mine you were made for me i yeah. own you lady like it that's it's it's come on come on yeah. guys you could have been more artistic and poetic even then there's a reason that this isn't my favorite musical <laughs> um this honestly like when i was a kid the scenes that were the romance scenes between Don and Kathy weren't my favorite. And I don't know, like, I I spent most of the time going, when's Cosmo going to be back? Yeah, when's Cosmo going to be back to drop another <laughs> mammy line? <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, but fair. But no granted Cosmo. Cosmo still is my favorite character, even with all this mammy bullcrap. Yeah. But um, I, I, after that... Um, we have a very bizarre impromptu dance number with the voice coach. Yes. Who's, I mean, and you were, I, I was ridiculing this, calling it the most annoying rhyme book of all time. Yeah. And you were saying that it's actually very useful exercises yeah. for actors and singers. Yeah, it's really useful um, to have good diction when you're on stage, because that's... <laughs> you said dick. <laughs> rewind the tape (laughs) um so when you're performing on stage you need to have very clear diction and so you would do rhymes like the moses supposes his toes are roses which moses supposes erroneously because moses he knows his toes aren't roses as moses supposes his toes should be there's also you know saying red leather yellow leather or the big Black bug bit the big black bear, and the big black bear bled blood. So the only two that I know, mm-hmm. Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers. Mm-hmm. How many peppers could Peter Piper pick? Like I'm sure that's wrong, but it's 80% mm-hmm. right. And the other one is, uh, she sells seashells down by the seashore. Yeah. And I don't know if there's anything more to that. I just know that. I think that one's the that... Sh- a shorter one. There's also... Um, you know New York, you need New York, you know you need unique New York. We used to say that all the time in theater. So, so yeah, I couldn't help but think of this when we were watching this part of the movie, but you remember the Adult Swim show Boondocks that's based off of a comic? Yes. I couldn't help but think of a scene where the younger brother Riley is talking about white people, and he says, <laughs> he's saying that all he knows about white people is they say the whole word like this. <laughs> and that's what was making me think of with diction was snarky little black Riley 
making fun of white people for saying the whole word. And it also makes me laugh because we, you know, live in the Midwest. And ish. ish. Mountain West. Okay, Mountain West. Mountain West. See, that's God. exactly what I was going to. Is I remember having someone tell me that I had a Utah accent. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Because you, you hear accent and I think, oh, good day, sir, chat, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. I don't pronounce T's. I say mountain instead of mountain. Do you know the saddest day of my life was the day that I did that? That you, I said mountain. Real, when you realized you'd been in Utah too long and you were yeah, talking like the that rest was, of us. <laughs> that was the day that I went, oh, oh, now I am a true Utahn. Oh. And good on you down there, good girl. You take a talking like the rest of us. Will you be one of us? One of us. What a oh, list. I've not heard any Utahns speak like that, no, but no, y'all drop your T's. A little further south. What, y'all? Y'all, huh? Oh, they say that in Colorado, y'all? Oh, no, but I've been trying to be more gender neutral with what I say, because I, I feel bad saying guys to people, because even though I personally am fine with being called guys... Hey there, Kay. Like, we've been talking like this. Like, why don't we take that? <laughs> All right, let's move on. Oh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Sorry. Sorry, y'all. I'm a goofball. Uh, <sighs> most annoying book of all time, which actually turns out to be quite useful. Yeah, singing in the rain is proof that... So, when he's singing in the rain, not just mm-hmm. the title drop of the show, but when he's singing in the rain, that is proof that love makes an idiot out of everyone. Yes. And will compel you to do stupid things that someone who's not in love would not do. Yes. Uh, because which, now he gets to enjoy pneumonia. Which he did. Which he did. Yeah, Gene me. Kelly got to enjoy a m- pneumonia for that. Imagine that, because he was singing in the rain. Yeah. And you pointed out that, yes, this is... Uh, pre-water regulations in the industrial era so that rain probably had lots of fun chemicals in it too yeah if if like this was set in if he was really dancing in the streets of california in the 20s i don't think that rainwater would have been great for his voice singing in the rain just sing Singing in the rain. You know, at least it's not like the Genghis Khan movie where they shipped in a bunch of radioactive dirt, so, you know, he could have ended up way worse. Someday I will need to do, like, a movie tangent. You just saw my brain go on a journey, and I got derailed from this going, okay, there's a whole other conversation that we need to have Yes, we will have that one off mic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yep, you have pneumonia now. Enjoy that, Don. Uh, yeah, and then then there's like a good... I don't want to... It felt like an eternity. It was probably like ten minutes. I think it was longer than ten minutes, dear. Okay, okay. see, I don't know. My I, LSD... This is the third part of the LSD trip we were talking about. I would assume... I've never... I've ne- Okay, I want to make this clear to... People listening, I have never taken hallucinogens in my life. I would assume that hallucinogens alter your perception of time. Yeah. Possibly speeding up, possibly slowing down. I don't know. 
Uh, it felt like an eternity. Yeah. I assumed it was probably 10 minutes because I just assumed that it probably went faster than it actually did. But Don just goes on this whole weird tangent about a bright-eyed boy coming to Broadway who's just gotta dance and getting rejected and then becoming a big star and then going through the seedy underbelly is what it looked like yeah. of Broadway and then yeah. falling in love with what looked like a mob boss's woman yeah, who doesn't know how to flip coins, which annoyed me. Well. <laughs> and then encountering her at a party and then they go into a, 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 a hallucination just for the two of them, a very romantic hallucination. I really think that the director was like, I just want to watch a big scarf blowing in the wind. Like, I feel like that's what he wanted. He just wanted a big-ass fan on the side of the stage and a 30-foot scarf and was just like, this will be fun. That, and it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. Yeah, that part, that specific part of the sequence gave me flashbacks to Salvador Dali, and <laughs> I was worried we were going to go into Unchien Andalou territory. And the eye slicing. Yeah, I I was getting a little. I was going like, I don't remember this part. I don't remember this part. Feel, oh dear God! I feel squeamish just hearing that. Yeah, the set was. I mean, you know, I mean, it was a cool set. The set it was, was cool, a, and and sure, the dancing was cool, and that scarf blowing in the wind was cool. There was lots of cool stuff done with that, but it was so freaking bizarre. The thing is, too, is that with these shows, we're going to be running into that a lot. We're going to be running into Broadway acid sequences. Broadway acid sequence. I I think partly probably because I'm tone deaf and I don't have a natural inclination to be good at music mm -hmm. that my brain doesn't follow the logic of musicals very well. I think my brain watches them as if they were regular movies mm -hmm. and is going what the hell is going on and why is this even a thing nobody references like yeah there were a few of those mo moments where it's just like okay we just put a musical number in to put a musical number in which um I, that's actually really common for some of these shows um I want to say that when we get to 42nd Street, you're going to see that too, and you're going to be like, what? Yeah, and and from conversations had with other people, I probably am being overly critical to an extent because the reality with musicals is that the story doesn't matter. It is all about the music. It is all about those numbers. It's not about the overall story which my brain has a really hard time with. It's it, In some ways, that's true. In other ways, it's like, no, the story's important. Like in Sound of Music, there weren't really that many musical numbers where it was like, well, why did you put that in? They That's that's okay, that's very fair. Yeah. They, they all did, in their own way, make sense to the overall narrative. Yeah. Um, when we do Les Miserables, it's a sum through. The Miserables. <laughs> It's a sung through, and it's one where it's like, well, I can't see that story being done any other way, like, the way that they do it. 
partly because that was my first introduction to the story. Other people, it's the book, so they have a different view. Other people, it's the Liam Neeson movie. They have a different view. See, in my introduction... Well, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that yeah, when, when we, we do the Miserables episode. Yeah, and like there will be other shows where you will get the story and you'll get the sur- superfluous musical numbers, but it'll still have a charm to it because the story and the musical numbers still mesh even though they don't really build up to anything. So it's it's all subjective. However... There is no forgiving that Broadway acid sequence. It was so bizarre. And you know what? I feel like I can forgive that last one more mm-hmm. than I can forgive the disembodied legs yeah. sequence. Yeah. Because that one, I, I felt like... that. I, I have no words for that. I don't know if that was just them going, hey, we have some neat special effects things. Like, if we make these ladies wear green and then flail their legs around, we can remove them from the film and just have disembodied legs. You know, and that's where, honestly, I kind of wish they would have had some of those sequences be in black and white instead of Technicolor. Because if they were in black and white, it would have felt more authentic to the 30s rather than... Because when we watch some of the shows that are actually from the 30s, they have sequences like that where they're just showing off, hey, look at what we can do with sound and with dance and with music and with film. Yeah. And so it would make more sense in that. And I mean, on stage, they don't do the disembodied legs, obviously, but they do have these sequences, they're just different because they translate differently to stage. So if they do the actual singing in the rain bit on stage yes. with water, yes. does that mean that somebody gets pneumonia every day after no, doing it? No, they just make sure that they dry off. Because Gene Kelly, there's a common myth that it's like, oh, he did it in one take. No, he did it over two to three days of filming that sequence. When you're on stage, you're only doing that sequence for like three minutes. I should clarify. At the most. I should clarify because it is me. Um, I was joking when I asked that. Oh, okay. Because so, I assume... <laughs> you had the straightest face. Well, I, okay, I'll leave that joke alone. Um, <laughs> you are the straight man out of the two of us, so... <laughs> I am the man out of the two of us. <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah... Overall, I mean, it was, it was a good musical. I mean, mm. I did enjoy it. Um, How'd you like that ending, though? The, the ending... The let's not communicate ending. The ending was... Like, okay. I felt like they very easily could have whispered to Kathy and been like, oh, this is gonna be great. Like, yeah. we're, you're gonna sing, and then we're gonna pull up the curtain. And she would have been along with it. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, sure. Because, oh, please, like, Le- Lena's... Oh, God. Lena Lamont? Lena. I want to say Lima. Uh, <laughs> Lena. Like a bean. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lena would not have been like, why, this is suspicious. She now all of a sudden is no. going She'd have been like, well, of course, she has no option. Like, yeah. they could have let her in on it rather than emotionally wrecking her. And yeah. then. That. I feel like, an, I feel like needless emotional torment 
needs to not be a thing when yeah. things can very easily be explained and quickly and still fit to the story. Yes. Because, I mean, I almost feel like it only served so that he could have his, I'm revealing my love for this woman in front of this crowd of people, yeah. so therefore it makes my love for her somehow more monumental and significant. Yeah, and honestly, if I had been Kathy at that point, I would have raised two middle fingers and walked <laughs> and out. And still walked out. Yeah, because right? it's like, no, you emotionally manipulated me yeah so like you thank you for setting this precedent for which our entire relationship will be built upon exactly it's like no but i did love that part where she's singing and everything and then they open it and then cosmo runs out onto mm-hmm. it and starts singing too and i just thought that was great yeah that's that's that was that was a great way to end it other than the emotional manipulation the screw tears. you screw you singing in the rain for that little bit mm-hmm Absolutely. Yeah. I am blown away to see Princess Leia's <laughs> Princess Leia's mother in mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And I'm kicking myself that Carrie Fisher? Thank you. I forgot earlier and then I forgot now when I know her. Yeah. So I feel like musicals are destroying some part of my brain <laughs> that was used to hold useful knowledge like Star Wars information. <laughs> So, maybe, well, at least it's not damaging your Spider-Man knowledge, because I did find the Spider-Man musical. Spider-Man. Who? Like, I don't like spiders. Why would I want to... You love Spider-Man, Yeah, this is is true. He's my, he is my favorite superhero. In fact, we're going to go see Into the Spider-Verse tomorrow. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. Of course, this will be released in, like, four weeks, so... Yeah, so by the time... So, future... (laughs) This will be released by the time it's on DVD. Yeah, future... Warren and Kay, I hope that you enjoy Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> hopefully it's not too disappointing to you, Warren. You have very high standards for Spider-Man. And hopefully you're not sad, Kay, because you've been so excited for Miles Morales. So and, excited. <laughs> and this is all sorts of tangents. Yes, this it sh- is. This should be called Musical Tangents. Musical pot- Tangent. Yes. It could... It, Broadway Acid Trip. Broadway Acid Trip. Yes. Brassid Trip. And that was Singing in the Rain. Next week, Warren will get to learn that a song that he has heard multiple times on uh, Family Guy or Simpsons or one of those two doesn't actually go like that. Guys and dolls, we're just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls. <laughs> it doesn't actually go like that? No. I, I do not want to believe that cartoons have lied to me. I will apologize in advance then. <laughs> I don't mean to rock the boat. Uh, I don't know what that means. Oh, well, you will next week when we do Guys and Dolls. Yay! (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We truly hope you enjoyed this. Uh, Please follow us on Twitter at Tone Deaf Musical and like, share, and subscribe. If you loved it, tell your friends and spread the word. If you want to go above and beyond, please donate to our Patreon, which is also Tone Deaf Musical. If you can, please take a moment and rate and review on iTunes, as it will help us reach a wider audience. That's it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Tone Deaf. Deaf.